0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Tech Guide, episode 338. Thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading. Great to have your company once again. Welcome to to our first-time listeners. We're glad you found us, and we hope you turn into regular listeners. My name is Stephen Fennec, and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au, this week, the 4G and 5G mobile broadband devices that will keep us connected in 2019. We share even more details about the incredible Huawei Mate X foldable phone, and Tesla will unveil a new model electric car later this month. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Samsung Galaxy S10 Plus smartphone. SanDisk has released the world's fastest one terabyte micro SD card. And the NRL and AFL seasons are about to kick off in glorious 4K. And your questions answered in the Tech Guide help desk as well. It's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that can keep you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Mobile World Congress last week. Uh, I'm now back in Australia after being in Barcelona for the event. A couple of important announcements, though, uh, during, during the event. Uh, one was from Netgear launching their Nighthawk M2 mobile router, and the other was from HTC who also uh, unveiled their 5G hub that will be released through Telstra. In fact, the Netgear device, the M2, is also a Telstra product. Telstra really were the standout Australian telco at the show. Uh, the others were barely there. I don't understand they were on the ground physically, but had nothing to announce. Uh, Telstra stole the show there, and part of that was these two products. Let's start with the Netgear Nighthawk M2. Netgear, are one of our sponsors, I'll uh, just make that clear. But uh, this new product, the Nighthawk M2, uh, a mobile router that actually operates on Telstra's 4G LTE network, yet it's still capable of speeds of up to 2 gigabits per second. So that's a 4G product that's capable of two, up to 2 gigabits per second. That's through the, the Telstra network, of course. The mobile router itself is small enough to fit in your hand. It doesn't look too much different to the M1 router, which uh, I still use to this day. Uh, excellent product to keep you connected on the go. But uh, the M2 mobile router has had a solid upgrade. It's running the Qualcomm Snapdragon X24. That's the first 2 gigabit per second 4G LTE modem. Supports Category 20 LTE Advance, which... What that means in English is that it's, it's very fast. It's also got 4x4 MIMO, which is the multiple in, multiple out technology. So you can connect up to 20 devices to the M2 to keep them more connected on the go. Your smartphones, your laptops, whatever you want to connect by Wi-Fi, you can do it. Uh, it has got a touchscreen on the front to give you not only the network name and all of that information, but the signal strength. You, it, is your, it is your control panel you can do software, firmware upgrades as well, uh, and everything is visible on that touchscreen. So this is a pretty small device, as I said, not too much bigger than the M1. Uh, the M2, it's available right now, as a matter of fact, went on sale in late February through, through Telstra. Uh, on the back, it's got a, a micro, sorry, a, a USB C port, which is to charge it. It's also got an Ethernet port, so you can actually connect this uh, to uh, a computer. If you've got an Ethernet port on your desktop computer, for example, you can physically connect this so you don't have to connect it via Wi Fi. Uh, it's also got a USB port as well, which can be used to charge your other devices. So if you've got a smartphone or a tablet, you can actually use this for charging as well. It's got a really large rechargeable battery, so it can run. For up to twenty-four hours continuously on a single charge, which is what you want. To, what you want on a product that's going to keep you connected, literally all day. In some cases, on the move, uh, it is available from Telstra, starting at thirty-nine bucks a month, and that includes fifteen gigabytes of data. And again, remember that's on the four G LTE network. Uh, up to twenty more Wi-Fi devices you can connect on the go. It even has parental controls and filters. So if you you say you're using this uh, on a road trip, for example, while, while your kids are on their on their iPads on the, in the back seat, uh, you can control and filter what they're looking at. Even schedule access to their devices uh, if they're not behaving themselves. So a lot of features there, and again, a really fast connection to the network. HTC were one on the Tel, Telstra five G bandwagon. Telstra announced three mobile devices coming to the network as well as this HTC hub. This is a 5G product that can also connect up to 20 devices at once. But again, at home on the Telstra 5G network, and this can uh, smooth enough to, to f- stream 4K video, uh, low latency online gaming. You can even, it's fast enough. This is what fascinated me. It's fast enough to stream VR content from the cloud to a HTC Vive focus headset. So, wirelessly connected to the hub. To the internet, so you, you're getting all the information for your VR experience from the cloud through the hub. So that means there's no need to connect the PC in your house. You can get the VR experience directly from the internet using a product like this because it's so fast. The latency is so low as well. Uh, we should point out a few things though about five G uh, that that will. Will allow customers to understand why it's going to be superior to 4G. I wrote another story on Tech Guide outlining the five reasons why you'll want 5G in 2019. Why five reasons for 5G? And the first is, of course, speed. Uh, the the most obvious benefit is the fact that uh, 5G could potentially, technically, is possible to reach 20 gigabits per second. That's potentially 100 times faster than 4G LTE so imagine streaming 4k it wouldn't even raise a sweat doing that but even look forward to 8k it's going to it'll be able to handle that as well you can you could be able to download a one gigabyte movie in just two or three seconds which is unbelievable but the other benefits apart from speed is capacity now one thing uh, that It's The easiest way to describe this is if 4G is a two-lane highway that has cars in every lane and that sometimes has traffic jams, 5G is a 25-lane freeway with every car flowing at full speed. So the capacity, it can fit more people on the bandwidth but can also handle the calls to the network faster as well. So not only greater capacity, but ability to handle that capacity faster than 4G at the same time. It's also another benefit is low latency. Latency, by definition, is a network term to describe the time it takes a data packet to travel from one point to another. So you can imagine when, a, a, a say, a command is executed on the 4G network, it could take a, a half a second to be acknowledged at the other end. That half a second is a lifetime when it, when it comes to doing things like re, uh, remotely operating machinery, performing remote surgery. These, these things require really low latency. So speed is, there's download speed, but there's also latency. So the speed in which something happens. And if it's very low latency, it means it's very fast and reacts inst- almost instantly. So you're getting immediate reactions. They had a great example, a few examples actually at Mobile World Congress where there was a band playing and I think it was a three-piece band and one of the people, I think two of the people even, were playing over the 5G network. But because it had such low latency, they were still able to keep time with the physical members of the band. So that's just an example of that ultra-low latency that is going to be a signature of 5G. The other, the other benefit is connectivity, and well, that's an obvious one, but it's the type, the sort of the width and breadth of this connectivity that's going to enable uh, connection to multiple devices per unit compared to 4G LTE. So you think about all the smart devices in your home. Imagine those smart devices out in the world, out on a property, out in the city streets, drones, autonomous cars, all of these things deployed, healthcare monitoring, industrial machinery, all of these things that can be connected quickly and efficiently with low latency and high capacity through 5G. The other benefit is apparently energy efficiency. Uh, Ericsson had a white paper recently saying that the energy efficiency of 5G means it's not going to tax your battery too much. Uh, The nature of 5G is the fact that it is only on when required, whereas 4G is always on. So 4G is only active when it, and transmitting when and where it's needed rather than always being on. But the problem we're going to face here with the first wave of 5G devices, and they're all, you'll notice they've all got very large batteries, is that to get to 5G, you've got to go through 4G. So it's like operating two phones in one. So initially, we're going to see we're not going to really see that energy efficiency because it is going to have to uh, operate as it normally does on four G, and then when five G is available, it's going to hit that level as well. So not not the, it's not going to mean your battery is going to last a week, but uh, the five G portion at least is not going to be too taxing on your battery at all. Those devices, the HTC new five G hub, uh, the Netgear. M2, Nighthawk M2 mobile router, and even my story on 5G and all the benefits there. You can see all of those, read all of those stories at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenwick. Well, probably uh, the standout of the show for us at Mobile World Congress was the Huawei Mate X Foldable Smartphone. We were one of the first people, actually, to get our hands on the device at the show. Uh, We may have mentioned that in in last week's show, but I just want to remind people again that we were one of the first people to get our hands on this device. We did have a couple of sit-downs with it, though, and in the, the second time... That we sat with it. The first time I touched it, I think I had it in my hand for like less than a minute, uh, and still managed to show a video and, and shoot something and describe things. But in the the latest time, the second time that I got to touch it and, and use it, uh, I spent a good few minutes actually having a look at it using some of the features, even called up my tech guide site up on the device. It looked great, by the way, on the unfolded 8-inch screen. But just to give you a quick description, the, the Mate X has a front-facing 6.6-inch screen. On the rear is a 6.38-inch screen. And then when you open that up, it adds up to an 8-inch screen. So for the first time, we were able to really have a deeper dive into what it's like and how it can respond when it's folded and unfolded. Uh, For example, I think we ran a YouTube video on the 8-inch screen and then folded the device down and then it immediately jumped to that front screen. Uh, as did the browser we had uh, opened up the the device I typed in tech guide on the on the browser and then we called up a story on the on the device and then when we folded it back down again that single story just adapted to that single 6.6 inch display uh, so the responsiveness there the, the ability to move to the screen that is facing you uh, was remarkable one thing I noticed as well when we were were listening to or watching a YouTube clip was uh, the video I think he chose was like a jungle sounds of the jungle or just a video that was shot in a rainforest or something. But the sound quality, I don't know whether you picked it up on our video, The sound quality coming out of this device was remarkable. I'm even hazarding a guess here to say that it's got Dolby Atmos with, I think, four speakers in there somewhere. Uh, um, Huawei weren't giving us any information, no confirmation about speakers and any of the specs. Uh, That was pretty pretty cagey and they sort of guarded on the actual tech tech specs that they they, uh, had not released yet. So yeah, it did sound absolutely brilliant. Uh, The other thing we were able to do was to play around with the fold and the screen. We were able to sort of sit the device down like in tent mode, where you can see one half of the screen, and I think we had one of our stories, and we were able to to still scroll up and over that fold to the other screen. So it, it, it can sit, if you're on a plane, for example, you can position this so that it's the the six point six inch screen is facing you to watch a movie, for example. Um, there is a grip as well that houses the the camera uh, and the flash. That then, when unfolded, can be used for you, the user, to actually grip that eighteen screen. That could provide a little bit of a stand, but not not as steep as you'd like it to be for comfortable viewing. Uh, speaking of comfortable viewing, though, that's exactly what we got when we saw the YouTube video playing uh, as big as it could in the in the eight inch unfolded. Uh, mode of the device it looked really really good the screen had that depth to it that the home screen didn't quite provide I don't know whether it's because of the flat colors or whatever but the home screen didn't quite have the depth that uh, it that it could uh, that it's 100% depth anyway to show it's how how well it could look but when we played the YouTube video uh, it looked like a normal screen again where you can you could see the the colours and the the high resolution. The screen's four K resolution as well, so it looked amazing. And uh, so we forgot the fact that the, there was no depth there. Uh, I think that was probably just a byproduct of just the, the the flat image that was on the homepage there. But once we fired up a video, a YouTube video, it looked absolutely spectacular. Uh, the other things we noticed too uh, we we were subjects of a selfie. So the person, the Huawei representative decided to take a selfie and the nature of the product is that the screen beside the camera turns into your monitor so you can see yourself, Uh, say if someone's taking a photo of me, uh, the screen that faces me becomes active so I can see myself and pose and so I can see what I'm going to look like. Uh, that gave us that ability as well. And then when we wanted to look at the image, we were able to expand it to the full size of that 8-inch screen uh, and see the absolute detail. My understanding is that one of the cameras is a 40-megapixel camera, so uh, you're going to expect this thing to to uh, take some pretty smart images. But that was about it. Uh, it 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 was only a few minutes but it it was fascinating to be able to see this 8 inch 4K screen, look at our website on that screen, take images uh, view our browser, view videos on it, speakers sound incredible, I'm really keen to get the exact specs of what that's like as well the video that we uh, shot in that session is I think is now up over 270,000 views on YouTube if you haven't watched it yet, you're one of the few that hasn't seen it so it is embedded in our story on Tech Guide. if you're interested. If you want to read more about that story, do exactly what I just said there and head over to techguide.com.au Well, everyone knows I'm, uh, if you read Tech Guide anyway, that I'm a a Tesla fan. I'm, in fact, a driver. I have a Model S, which I really like. I've got a 75D. It is a beautiful car to drive. Uh, A big fan of the brand, as you can imagine, by buying a car. That expresses that pretty clearly. But uh, they're going to unveil a new model. The new Model Y electric car is going to be unveiled on March the 14th in Los Angeles, which will be early March 15th. Australian time, and not a lot of information about this car, apart from the fact that it's an SUV, so it's going to be, I've described it in my story as, as the Model 3 is a cheaper version of the Model S, the Model Y will be a cheaper version of the Model X, the Model X is the SUV, Falcon Wing doors, all of that going on, but the Model Y will be a smaller version of it, and a more affordable version of it as well. Uh, it's understood that the Model Y, though, will not have the Falcon wing doors like the Model X. That seems, I think, a premium feature which is why it's limited to the Model X. The Model Y, which is kind of in the same vehicle family as the Model X, is an SUV. So uh, expect, we're really excited to see this. We're hoping, the only image we've got, as we've included it on Tech Guide, is a, the sort of the top of the car, like a silhouette of the top, the windscreen, and the top of the car, the bonnet. So we're really keen to see whether it sort of keeps this the similar look uh, as the vehicles have right now, whether it sort of has a more look of the Model 3 which is a little sort of a curvier look rather than the angled, angular look of the Model S and the Model X. Uh, Elon Musk tweeted this news out, by the way, about this launch event, the unveiling on March 14. He also tweeted the fact that the Model Y is 10% larger than the Model 3, and hence will cost 10% more than the Model 3. And it's only days ago where they finally announced a 35000 that's US dollars, $35,000 version of the Model 3. So you can see this will probably be about the $40,000 mark. Uh, US dollars, that is. We're uh, hoping to see the Model 3 in Australia in the second half of 2019, if all goes to plan. Uh, those who've been on the waiting list for over three years will hopefully be able to then uh, to uh, order up their car and order their colours and wheel type and interiors and all that sort of thing within a few months so that by the time they arrive, it's going to take two to three months to build it. So hopefully they'll be allowed to do that to get in the design studio shortly, and then uh, get it in the first straight away into the second half of 2019. Early in the second half of 2019. Fascinating stuff there. the uh, The event will be on March 14 in the US, early March 15 here in Australia, uh, and we're going to be all over this uh, as as is everyone else going to keen who are keen to see what the Model Y actually looks like. If you want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. We live in a world where hackers are constantly finding new ways to steal your personal information. And because we spend so much time online, it's quite possible we could find ourselves in a cyber criminal's sights. The Norton team is dedicated to keeping people safe online no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying bills on your phone, shopping on your tablet or banking on your laptop, Norton Security Premium is working hard behind the scenes to help keep you protected and keep your information, your identity and your devices protected. For more information on how to protect your digital life, visit au.norton.com. And now a tech guide review with Stephen Fennec. All righty, kicking off the tech guide review is the Galaxy S ten Plus. Now we've been using this device since it was launched in the US a uh, week and a half ago. Now, nearly two weeks ago, I should say, and uh, it has been uh, quite. Uh, I'm, I'm very pleased with this device. It's ten years since the S, the Galaxy S phones were unveiled and if you do anything for 10 years you get pretty good at it and this is exactly what Galaxy S10 what Samsung's provided with the Galaxy S10 it's probably the best phone they've produced not only the, the best phone Samsung's produced but probably one of the best phones that it, that's in the market right now uh, for years they've been trying to keep up with Apple with the iPhone I think over the years they've they've kind of caught up and I think with this device, they've gone ahead with features that will, are not found on the iPhone, perhaps the next one, but as it stands, this has got features that the iPhone does not have superior Things that that the iPhone has as well, so uh, really, really uh, excited to see this in market. It comes out on March 8. Uh, a lot of Samsung users are going to be really pleased with this, and in fact, I've heard of a lot of uh, iPhone users that are that are thinking of switching sides and using uh, getting the Galaxy S10 as their new device. Let's start off with the design it is it is sort of the that instantly recognizable galaxy look to the phone uh it's got the same shape and curved edges slightly larger screen than the S9 though the S9 plus uh the, it's got a 6.4 inch screen this time the S10 has a 6.1 inch display Last year's S9 had a 6.2 inch display. So the S10 is kind of now as big as the S9 Plus. Uh, despite having that larger screen though, the S10 Plus, uh, what, what impressed me was the fact that it doesn't feel like you're holding a monster phone. You're holding a 6.4 inch screen in your hand and it doesn't feel too big. In fact, I was still able to use it one handed pretty easily. Uh, on the back, there are now three cameras, uh, two cameras peeking out from the hole in the screen. A bit more about that in a sec. Uh, there is no dedicated fingerprint reader also that can, anywhere that can be seen on the device. Again, more about that a little later. But let's talk about the display, and right, if this thing hits you right between the eyes straight away, the Dynamic AMOLED display, the first to boast a HDR10 Plus compatibility. Uh, It's got greater color accuracy as well Better brightness, better contrast Bottom line, the best screen that Samsung's put on a device Your content looks amazing on it Uh, It does have though The Infinity O part of the display Which is that laser cut hole In the top right hand corner Where the cameras are peeking out uh, and I've got to say, it's not too obtrusive at all. It looks, it's better than a notch, put it that way, but it kind of blends into the top uh, the top bar there, the info bar where the, there's your battery percentage and your cells, cellular strength, signal strength. It kind of blends into it. And what I like that. what made me laugh is that all the, the major wallpapers that that are in, uh, available, uh, they they tend to have the top right-hand corner darker than the rest of the screen just to help disguise the fact that there's that camera there. Apple does the same thing to hide the notch as well with their displays as well, which is pretty smart. I don't mind the uh, in the the Infinity-O, that hole punch. Uh, your cameras are there. It's not too obtrusive at all, hidden in the top right-hand corner there, so not too bad. Let's move on to the ultrasonic fingerprint scanner. Now, the reason we couldn't see a fingerprint scanner anywhere is because it's in the screen. There's no button for it. there's no uh, place anywhere uh, apart from on the screen where you can place your fingerprint. Uh, it used to be on the back, remember near the near the camera. Well, now there's nothing. it is in the screen. Now my only complaint here is that' it's, it's oddly positioned it's quite low on the phone. If you're holding the phone as I ninety nine percent of the time have in my right hand, I've registered my thumb. My right thumb as the fing- one of the fingerprints that can unlock the phone, now when I try to reach down with my thumb to hit the spot where the fingerprint ultrasonic fingerprint really is, it doesn 't give me a match straight away. It is an awkward angle where i 've got to kind of reposition the phone in my hand and then press a bit harder and then it does it there 's been times where it 's taken me five goes. To unlock the phone with the fingerprint, and by then I've got to use my my key my uh, my code my key code to get in. So uh, other times it happens it happens first go. The problem is too is that when the phone the screen's completely dark, you don't know where to put your finger. You've got to kind of guess that it's about here where the fingerprint reader is located. Now the Huawei the Mate 20 Pro. It has a little picture of a fingerprint. As soon as your phone moves at all in the lock position, this little picture of a fingerprint pops up even on the black screen so you know exactly where you've got to place your finger or thumb. It is also higher on the screen, about a third of the way up the screen, which is a little more comfortable to land your thumb there to unlock it. So without having to kind of give yourself RSI trying to reach all the way down to the bottom of the phone, the Mate 20 Pros is kind of a third to almost halfway up and you press it and it unlocks it a little. Bit easier. Not a deal breaker, but I think uh, hopefully that's going to be improved. On uh, uh, with some software updates as well. Uh, moving along, let's talk about the AI. Now, this has got uh, some pretty solid performance behind it. Uh, the AI comes into play when you're taking photos. It even remembers the apps that you use the most and launches them faster. So if you're an Instagram freak, Facebook, Twitter, it remembers this and launches those apps. What I think it does, it just keeps them running in low power in the background and just pops them straight up whenever you need them. So it kind of gets to know what you like to use and then uh, gives you that option straight away. Now, we really need to talk about the camera and the camera has once again gone up another level here. There's three cameras on the back. Uh, The the lenses offer different uh, views as well. So there's an ultra wide, a wide and a render zoom. So you can easily toggle between the three rather than you having to zoom in and out, pinch the zoom and all of that. You can just use these preset little toggles on the camera screen and, and I've there's examples of this on my review where you've got the ultra wide which fits everything in, that takes it right back, and then there's the regular view and then there's the zoom zoom view. Uh, and you'll see the differences are actually quite fascinating. Uh, that's on the rear camera, and of course, you can take uh, bokeh effect shots. And uh, it does AI does also come into play to help you determine the best mode for the image. There's also best shot as well, so it helps you frame the image as well. Sometimes, so if you're looking at a landscape, for example, this little yellow line and a circle comes up in the middle of the screen, and this little floating dot is that when you're moving the camera, if you can get that dot in the middle of the suggested circle where the yellow circle is, that's the best framing that it's suggesting to you as well. And uh, it it never gets that wrong. It always looks good when you match up when you match that up in the intelligent camera uh, and the the shot suggestions uh, that that kind of helps you frame it right. Get everything, and the AI then jumps in and gives you uh, the best mode and the best contrast and all of that. What ends up happening is you get a bloody good photo. That's one thing about the uh, the S nine and now the S ten. The picture quality is is equal to the best. I think DxO Mark made it. Uh, they rated this the equal best camera in the market with the I think the Mate twenty Pro. Uh, now the s ten plus has also shares that mantle as well as being the best the best smartphone camera. Moving right along, uh, performance-wise, uh, again, not only is there intelligence, but there's also speed, you get plenty of that there, so things are pretty smooth, plenty of RAM, I think there's, uh, there's 8 gig of RAM on board here, and various memory as well, you can get 128, I think 512 as well, there's even a one terabyte version of the S10+, Plus, if you can believe that. The other feature too is the wireless power share which allows you to, uh, once it's activated, you place it on down uh screen down and you'll be able to rest another phone on top and charge that device. And you can also charge the Galaxy Buds, which they're giving away free if you pre-order before March 8, uh, or the Galaxy Watch Active. Uh, if you just rest that on the back, you can get a charge, which is really clever. Now, I know what you're all saying. Huawei had the in-screen fingerprint reader. They also had the wireless power share. They had the three lenses on the back. Uh, and look, there's, there's, these are probably head to head the best among the best phones in the market. Uh, Samsung, though, have sort of put together a package here that's really compelling. Design is great, no notch, uh, really big screen, beautiful quality screen. That dynamic AMOLED is excellent. Uh, and it packages all that together really smartly. So uh, full marks to Samsung. The S10 is certainly no disappointment. It's come up with these new features, features that Apple does don't have. Remember, Apple don't have wireless power share. Uh, they don't have three cameras on the back. They don't have an in-screen fingerprint reader. So all these features that uh, they don't have expandable memory either. Apple have never had that on their iPhones, and that's another thing that is in Samsung's favor as well. And Whether you like gaming, viewing your video, your content, AR gaming, this is a powerful device that can help you enjoy that at its best. Uh, There's also next-gen Wi-Fi on board as well. So it supports the new Wi-Fi 6 standard, uh, which is good news, because Wi-Fi 6 is going to be the new faster wireless standard. Uh, It can also, here's another trick too, it's got uh, intelligent Wi-Fi that can even detect a dodgy connection. Like how many times you might be at an airport or a cafe and you join this, this network, there's no password required to think, no, okay, no password. This phone will be able to tell you, give you a heads up if you're about to join a dodgy Wi-Fi network. So uh, you get another feature on board, the s 10 Plus, now there's three models in this range the S10e, which is kind of your entry level, about 1200 bucks. There's the uh, S10, which is about 1349, and then you're going up to 1499 for the S10 Plus. All in all, excellent phone that Samsung has produced. This is going to be uh, a popular device when it comes out on March the 8th. Uh, And if you want to read our complete review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The place to stay updated and educated. Righto, next up, we're going to talk about a micro SD card. But not just any old micro SD card. This is the SanDisk Extreme. It is the world's fastest one terabyte micro SD card. Now, this is a pretty fast card. It's got the capacity and the speed to allow you to use it in your camera, in your drone, your action camera, so it can read read and write speeds of up to 160 megabytes per second, not megabits per second, megabytes per second, 160 meg. So this is quite at home uh, for your burst mode, shooting 4K video as well, uh, and, and capturing great sound at the same time. So this is a pretty, pretty decent upgrade here. And Sandisk, of course, uh, one of the leaders here when it comes to flash flash memory, uh, they've poured all of that experience into this new product, the one terabyte. And you've got to remember, this thing is still, it, like take a look down at your pinky finger, at the, your nail on your pinky finger. So have a look down at that nail. And that's how big a micro S D card is. Now then, look down again. And just remember they fit one terabyte of space in that little micro SD card. Remarkable. It's going to be available in April. There's also going to be a 512 gig version as well. But how much do you reckon they are? The one terabyte SanDisk one, uh, Extreme UHSI Micro S D XC card is going to be priced at 799 bucks. But you're getting a terabyte of space, so it's a pretty good decent deal. There's also a 512 gig version. Which is gonna be three hundred and forty nine dollars. So five hundred and twelve gigabytes, three hundred forty nine, one terabyte seven hundred and ninety nine. You want to read more about that story? You know where to find it, techguide.com.au. Well, it's nearly NRL and AFL season. The winter, the winter's back. I'm so happy that the footy's back, especially the NRL. I'm a massive NRL fan. Go the Rabbitohs. Uh, and AFL as well, of course, uh, for you uh, AFL fans. The season kicks off in a couple of weeks. The uh, NRL season kicks off at the end of next week. Now, what's different about this year? I'll tell you, it's going to be broadcast, or most of the games, some of the games, in 4K, 4K UHD Glorious 4K to watch your favourite sport, NRL and AFL seasons, but you won't be able to watch all the games. Uh, from what I suspect, in, in the in the case of the NRL at least, their first game will be March 15, Newcastle Knights taking on the Cronulla Sharks, and that's the Friday night game of Round One. That's the first game of two games on Friday night, so that's going to be the 5:30 PM kickoff game. Which Foxtel has exclusively, uh, and then the 7:30 game it will be South be the Rabbitohs, which won't be shown in 4K. It'll be shown on Channel Nine. Uh, so what I suspect is that Foxtel will only offer games in 4K if they're exclusive to Foxtel. So like Super Saturday, for example, all the games on Saturday on, on the in the NRL are uh, all shown exclusively on Foxtel. So I'd imagine one or two or maybe all of those games will be shown on in 4K which will be on channel 444 uh, if you've got the IQ4 set-top box and if you've got a 4K TV and you've got a 4K-compatible HDMI cable connecting them. So all these parts of the chain have to be 4K-compatible and you'll be able to enjoy your Foxtel in 4K, your Fox Sports in 4K. Now, uh, March 22nd, the following round, the NRL will have the Canberra Raiders and Melbourne Storm game in 4K. That's another Friday night game. Uh, You AFL fans, you're going to get two games in two days in 4K, starting on March 23rd with Melbourne taking on Port Adelaide at the MCG. And then the next day, uh, March 24, St Kilda and the Gold Coast Suns will also be in 4K. So exciting times. If you're watching at home and you've got the IQ4 and you've got a 4K TV or projector, it's going to be like being there. Uh, that's what I'm really look for, looking forward to seeing. And it's not just league and, and, and AFL. They're also going to have some Wallaby matches uh, in 4K, Super Rugby as well, and Women's Football is going to go, all getting the 4K treatment as well. You want to read more about that and see those dates, when and where those games are happening, check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand, and they're asking customers to take the Orbi Home Wi-Fi Challenge. If you buy a Netgear Orbi Wi-Fi kit and don't get better home Wi-Fi, you'll get your money back. So why offer that challenge if they're not confident you're going to get a great result? Orbi Wi-Fi systems are designed for any size home, large or small. Those times when you need a little more, Orbi add-on satellites can give you additional coverage inside and out, so they're perfect for backyards, garages, or even reaching out to the granny flat. In today's modern household, Orbi's tri-band Wi-Fi system lets you stream your favourite movies in 4K and play online games by providing ultra-fast Wi-Fi no matter how many devices Are connected. Orbi plugs into your existing modem, and it's really easy to set up in just a couple of clicks. Orbi's the easiest, fastest, and most expansive and advanced mesh Wi-Fi network available today. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Orbi, better Wi-Fi everywhere. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide help desk. We're going to kick it off with a voice bite, which I'm going to play right now. Hi, Steve. My name's Michael. What's the best lightweight uh, laptop you can buy? Um, looking for your expertise on this, mate. All right. Thanks, Michael. His question was, best lightweight laptops? Uh, I, I Look, I'm a Mac user, so I really can't go past the MacBook Air. Uh, but there are a lot of PCs that, as well that are pretty super thin and super light, including including the HP uh, Spectre lineup of laptops. They're pretty smart. Uh, the Dell XPS uh, lineup as well. They're the super thin, super light laptops that he's asking for. But uh, if you're a Mac person, uh, I would have a look at the MacBook Air and I will also have a look at the MacBook, which is the 12-inch uh, retina display MacBook as well. The MacBook Air now has the Retina display, but it's got a 13-inch screen. So plenty of choices there. Also on the Tech Guide help desk, I did get a, an email from uh, a, 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 a father asking about a phone for his son. Uh, and he said, look, I don't want to spend too much. Budget's about 250 to $300. Uh, problem is my son is blind. Uh, he was just wondering. I think he was looking at a Nokia or an Oppo. Uh, And, well, the common denominator there is that they're all running Android, and Android does have good accessibility features, including voice, so that any action you perform on the screen, it is read out to you using the voice assistant, so... uh, Problem solved there. It's not a matter of the, the, all the brands that are running Android will have it, as does the iPhone. He said he couldn't afford an iPhone. I think the cheapest was uh, just under 500, which is slightly outside his price range. But if you're running a device, a decent device with Android, uh, and then you'll, will have that voice assistant in the accessibility feature. So problem solved right there. And that's the end of our show for this week. You can read about everything that we've spoken about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, as Michael did, you can record a voice bite. So we'll get your voice on the show, as Michael's was uh, today, and we'll answer it on the Tech Guide podcast. You can also send us a, an email, of course, at te- info at com. We want to give a special shout-out, to to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs. Remember, take that Orby Wi-Fi challenge. And Norton, the company that can keep you, your family, and your devices safe online. Thank you for listening. We're already looking forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.